What's going on, everybody? You are listening to Composer Code. I'm your host, Matt Kenyon. Composer Code is the podcast all about interviewing video game composers, diving into their minds to help all of us become better composers, to make a little bit of coin in this tough industry and to just improve at our craft. And today, I've got my old buddy Stephen Malin back on the show, and we're going to talk a little bit about his book, which is actually released today, the 16th. It's a book called Family First Composer. It's all about how to establish a career as a composer. It's got some really excellent advice, especially uh, from a business perspective, that you can take advantage of without sacrificing the most important things in your life, like your family. We dive into his book writing process, some of the lessons he learned in writing the book, and some of the practical knowledge that he's applied in his own career. It's a great show, whether you're single, whether you have a family, and you just want to learn how to better prioritize your time and your focus in your career of composition, this podcast will have something for you. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Stephen Malin. So Stephen, I've known you for some time now, and you are a jack of many trades, and now you're an author, um, which is super exciting. So the uh, the title of your book is Family First Composer, Proven Path to Escape 9 to 5 and Support Your Family Composing Music for Film TV and video games. So I'll start with kind of a broad question, and that's simply, why did you write this book? Ooh, great question. First of all, thank you, Matt, for having me back on to Composer Code. I think we were one of the first episodes. Pretty crazy. You were. Uh, but yeah, what a pleasure uh, to be back. Um, man, this book has several reasons I wrote it, uh, but I think the, the number one, probably the most important is because for several years, just as a, as a coach, as a mentor, as a YouTube creator, as a podcast creator, I get the same questions over and over and over again, um, by composers and they're fantastic questions because they're all questions that I have asked myself over the course of years. And there's just never, in my opinion, there's never been one text resource that kind of combines them all into one place that allows composers to um, have this one resource that can sit on their bookshelf in their studio that they can grab as a resource to uh, tackle that one question that they need right then, right there. Um, so that's kind of the, the number one reason. Um, but the context of the book is all through the lens of putting your family first. And that's, that's always been a subject that's been very dear to my heart. Um, and as you know, Matt, I'm a foster parent and adoptive parent. So um, we were just talking that um, as of two weeks ago, we had five kids in our house. And it, it's, it's kind of the, the ideal lifestyle for me is work is a secondary um, process in our house. Work is like the means by which we can support the family. It's not the other way around. Um, so there are often days where I only work an hour or two. Um, some days I don't work at all, but other days, you know, I'll work late at night and kind of squeeze it in there to um, take care of tasks. But the lens of this book is to really address that core issue of how do you not only become a successful composer writing for these mediums, but how do you put your family first and do that in a way that, that creates a successful relationship with your family. And I think that's the lens that really matters the most. And that's, that's the book that I would want to read and the book that would have really saved me a lot of uh, heartache 10 years prior when I was first starting off. 
Um, I completely agree as someone who has a family. When you look out among the landscape of composers, it does seem like a bunch of single people that have all this time, you know, to grind, you know, 24 seven. What kind of encouragement would you give to someone like me, maybe in my position who kind of looks out on that and says, man, I don't know if I can ever do a career in this when I'm going up against these people as my competition. Well, that's honestly, that's the motivation and inspiration that I hope to bring to the table um, because you're absolutely right that this is not the norm. And I, but I will say that from the thousands of composers I've talked to over the years, I feel like there is a desire for that to be the norm, a desire for there to be a way. So I think um, talking to you or to anyone in your shoes of wanting to make a full-time career out of this, um, it's all about that prioritization, putting your priorities in order. And for me, that's family. And so it's about structuring my life in such a way that all of the items that I need to happen happen first, and then business will find its way around that. Um, and it's going to look different for every single person. Every composer has their own journey. Um, but what I'm very thankful for is that this book really is kind of the outpouring of my experience over the last 10 plus years. And in the book, we, we address the 25 top questions that most composers ask related to business and how to structure your life in a way that it does serve your family in the midst of it. Like you're not going to exchange um, that relational equity in place of a business. Because at the end of the day, my opinion is what, what good is a successful business if you have no one to enjoy it with? Hmm. Yeah. That's a really good point. Do you have any of those questions that, not to put you on the spot, that you might be able to share off the top of your head, some of those most asked questions by composers? Sure. So I actually divide the book into um, seven sections. The first and the last section are kind of an intro and an outro of next steps, but the core five sections are divided into five subsections. Um, so the sections are actually called uh, Building a Music Composition Career, How to Earn More Income, best tools for composing, music business growth, and music business strategies. So maybe some typical questions that I get almost daily in some format would be things like, how do I find my first custom, custom music job? Or what are the best ways to charge clients for custom music? How do I write a music contract? How do I send a music invoice? How do I deal with creative burnout? And what are um, you know, do I uh, seek out composer internships, assistantships? Do I go to school like the uh, formal education? Do I need that? So it's it's anything related to business in the sense of um, not not so much the composition skills and the production and technology, because I, I think most composers have those already, um, whether they go to school or not. But it's that business side that really gets composers in trouble because they focus so strongly on, you know, what sample instruments do I get and um, building up their, their studio and, and what are the latest harmonization techniques and whatever. But most composers are not focusing on the actual um, growth of their business, which is really the tool and the key by which they're able to support their family. And like I mentioned in the title of the book, Escape 9 to 5. 
So I think the word focus is very similar to the word prioritization. And we've talked offline just in personal conversations about how that's something as achievement people, people who want to achieve things, we struggle with focus. So from a very practical standpoint, you have someone who wants to get into composition or maybe wants to take their career to the next level. What are some practical ways that they can prioritize their time and really focus on a few key important things that can take their career to the next level without sacrificing that family? That's a fantastic question. Um, and yeah, we, you were mentioning a conversation we recently had that um, I think is a, if you if you don't mind me using that as a case example, um, I think that that happens a lot where um, people like myself and like you, we have a ton of goals um, we are all about getting stuff done. And so we might want to uh, create a podcast or create more YouTube videos or um, create courses or, or write more music to put in albums and music products. And by the time you tally all this stuff up, it just becomes a ridiculous sum of time. And it's not all possible to do at once. Um, and so prioritization is all about finding what I consider to be two different essential categories. Number one, it has to be enjoyable, has to be something you're like deeply passionate about and that will fuel you every day, um, which is what I consider your why for that project. But then on the other side, it has to be something that serves your audience well. And so what I like to do is whenever I'm in a rut and I have 15 things that I want to accomplish, but I have no filter by which to choose which one to do, um, I like to divide them into those two categories. So uh, you can list out in you know an Excel spreadsheet or a word list or a sticky note, whatever, but you just need to jot down all of the uh, goals that you want to accomplish, all these products and whatever you want to do, just put them on a list. That way you can kind of have that brain dump moment. But on the other side, you want to try to prioritize them in those two filters. So the first, again, would be what is the most fun of this list? What will I actually want to do first? But on the other side, which will have the greatest impact and which will serve the most people, which one will move my business needle forward the most. And oftentimes you'll find that it's usually the same one um, or two that hit the top of the charts. And then obviously that's the one or two items you should focus on. Um, it's very hard to be focused on more than two things at any given time. Um, and it's scary because we're in a, a digital world that, that we are being attracted to 15 things at once. Um, and that's okay. And I think, um, Matt, you and I relate on this a lot, uh, with our families that we, we just want to do it all right now, but you can't. And that's a huge bummer. Uh, but that's just the reality of time. And so, uh, you will have so much more success when you can really, uh, focus. And we use this word deep work quite a bit. And I use it a lot in the book, um, referring to the book of the same name, which is this principle of, of focusing for three hours plus um, at a time on one task to really um, undistracted work that, that can, can result in a really effective time. Um, and even for some people, that's early in the morning, some it's late at night, whatever, or on the weekends. But um, heck, that's how I wrote the book. Um, I didn't do it in small chunks. I did it in very few long periods of time. Um, which allowed me to focus. When I write music, I try to do the same thing. When I'm creating podcast episodes or whatnot, I really try to structure my time that, you know, I can focus on my family and take care of them. And then 
like right now in this moment, my kids are in bed. It's eight o'clock at night for me. So it, my work day is, is very much done, but here's an opportunity that I can now focus undistracted and give my best to something. So I think that prioritization is all about, um, picking your passions versus or weighing your passions and your, um, the effects and the, the, the needs behind something. And then you chase after those until they're done. And then you move on to something else. And I think for those listening, I struggled with something that Stephen, you really have helped me with a lot. And that is something you alluded to of just having this podcast, uh, and also struggling full disclosure with the fact that I haven't really been writing music ironically lately, but you know, you've helped me see that it's okay to focus on one thing for a season, not your entire life, but for a season. And then basically do your best, get that out the door, whether it's a season of a podcast or a book, and then you can move on to something else. But I agree that that is so crucial, especially for us who like to achieve things. So I recommend anybody listening who, uh, who considers themselves an achiever to follow that exercise. And it'll give you uh, a lot of peace in a lot of the things that there is to accomplish out there in the world. Um, Steven, I want to talk to you about the actual book writing process, because I'm always fascinated by that. I love people's creative processes, whether it's writing music or writing books. So talk to me a little bit about like how you wrote this book. Like what was your schedule like? What tools did you use? What was your, maybe your favorite part? Just maybe talk to me a little bit about your experience writing the book. Sure. Um, I find it funny now that I finally finished it and I've, I've created the book in three different formats. So it's the paperback, it's the audiobook, and the ebook. They're all quite different in the, the process, but creating the core content, which is I think what you're alluding to, um, it's very similar in a way to writing music. And I never would have thought that having not done it yet. Um, but very similar to writing a blog article where you have one idea and you, you want to really go deep in that one idea. A book is essentially one big idea, but divided into small ideas. Um, and recently I was at uh, PodFest, which is a, um, it's a, a really big festival down in Orlando, Florida. And there they had a ton of, of great speakers, um, well-known in, in the podcast world and in the, the YouTube space. Um, and they spoke... Well, one, one person there spoke about um, creating your content very much like a tree, that your brand and your, your uh, marketing, your, your personality is like a tree where there's a tree trunk, there's branches and there's leaves. And that was very inspirational for me because very much like a, a music product or a, a music track that I'm writing for a score, but in this case, a book. Um, the trunk in this case would be the overall idea. It's like the core concept, which is this idea of music business of creating a career. And then each branch would be a chapter and then, or I should say a section, which there's seven parts of this book. And then each of the leaves is a very, very small, specific niche question. Um, very, very small. And then that way each chapter of the book is answering one question as deeply as possible. And in doing so, I've now created this giant tree, which fully encompasses basically the best of my knowledge, the best of my experience at the time of writing it. And once I, I kind of had that, that concept that each chapter is just one question, 
it's not just a blank page anymore. It's one question. It's my one answer to this one question. And it wasn't so daunting anymore. And once I had that big macro view, it was really easy to go into the micro. Um, now, I certainly did not have a perfect outline at first about, I didn't even know what it was. I definitely didn't know what the title was. And I'll, I'll be honest that the title was the very last thing that I created um, up until like a week or two before um, the pre-launch. So that was the final element. Um, but the chapter titles were pretty set because they were all questions. Um, and the uh, the branches, in this case, the, the sections of the book were, that was one of the final items as well. So um, the process itself was kind of, let's take one big idea, let's just start writing. And then as, uh, I guess, thematic ideas uh, develop over time, then we can go in and, and organize them. So the organization process was definitely at the, the back end, but that's okay. Um, and I'll be honest that when I first sought out to write a book, it had a completely different idea. And Matt, I'm not sure if you, you were around or you noticed when I did this, this was over a year ago, but I tried to create this book called Sonic Storytelling. And I thought it was the coolest idea ever, but I didn't do any market research for it. I just jumped into it. And this is definitely on the same topic of um, uh, just prioritizing. I can't even say that word, prioritizing um, and, and, and creating goals that matter and not just creating products because you want to, but they have to actually have a purpose. And this was a, this really cool idea about I wanted to study and I was really going to do my research about um, kind of the psychoacoustics and the, the psychology behind why we use certain types of music in retail stores or why we use this for this. But then it started to get very sciencey and I was way over my head. And I came to a point where I actually wrote a couple chapters of that book and I read it back and I just said, this is terrible. This is absolute garbage. Um, this one, this doesn't speak to anyone. I don't know why I'm writing this. Um, I'm not even an expert in this topic. So why, you know, why am I compelled to do this? And then I scrapped the whole idea and said, you know what? I'm just going to take some of the blog articles I've written in the past. I'm going to take some of the YouTube videos I've, I've created in the past, um, my podcast episodes. And what I did is I actually uh, created this Frankenstein monster. I took pieces of all of the content I've created in the past because I knew for a fact, I even took stuff from my courses. I knew for a fact that all of this content had these thematic elements of directly helping my audience because every single one of those videos or uh, blog articles was directly geared towards a question I was receiving at that period of time. And what was cool about this is I created this, um, this conglomeration of ra seemingly random ideas. But then when I, when I started to um, kind of translate those into text form and try to create chapters out of them, I, I started to see a structure. I started to see that, oh, wow, this is like a path to creating a music business. And then I started rethinking it. Oh, wow, what if I were to maybe put this chapter at the beginning and then put this at the end? If this is like the end point, this is the beginning, what can I do to start organizing in a way that actually tells a story? Because it's one big story, little parts. And that's that's kind of how it happened. Um, uh, you can get more practical if you want, you want to ask more specific questions on that, but uh, that's kind of the overall process. It took way longer than I thought it would. I honestly thought I could write a book in three months which I do think is possible if you do nothing else. But at that time, I was also doing a million other things. Um, another reason why prioritizing is really important and um, just putting, if you're going to focus on something, focus on it. Because I'll be honest, I got about three or four months in, totally had imposter syndrome. 
um, just had this really bad episode of, oh my gosh, this is terrible. No one's going to want to read this. Um, cause I wasn't sharing it with anybody. It was just kind of on my, on my laptop, um, as I was traveling around and, and you're asking about, you know, when did I write this? I honestly wrote it any chance I could. Um, with my kids, I'm often sitting in doctor's visits or picking them up from school or whatever, um, sitting at piano lessons or something. So there were a lot of opportunities where, um, I intentionally would not allow myself to be distracted. So I would, you know, leave my phone in the car or something. I would, uh, intentionally only bring the laptop or only bring a sheet of paper, which forced me to write the book. So I put myself very intentionally in moments where I have 30 minutes, I have an hour, I have to write, um, which is kind of like music in a sense of the, the deadlines and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's kind of the overview. That's awesome, man. I'm curious, as you're writing the book, you kind of shared a little bit and I appreciate it about that sort of dark period in the middle where you were like kind of questioning and doubting yourself. Um, for you personally, what did you find to be the most challenging part of the book writing process for you as a, as a creative and as an author? I don't usually have this happen because music is something I've been doing forever. And, I, and I, I'm finally at that point where I, I'm not embarrassed of my music. Even if I, have, if I write something weird, I just have a lot of confidence and a lot of boldness in my music. Um, but when it comes to writing, I'm new to this. I'm, I'm not an author um, up to this point. And so there was fear every step of the way of sharing this with somebody because I don't know. I don't know why, honestly, because it's, it's the same words. It's the same message I've always been sharing in different media. But there's something about I haven't done this before. I haven't been, um, I guess, vindicated yet. But I will say that I was scared up until the moment that I formed a pre-launch team, which 30 days before launch, I, I asked a bunch of friends and I got about, uh, I think, 20 20 or 25 um, people to be a part of this really small book launch team where we just gave feedback back and forth, back and forth. Um, and I rewrote the book, rewrote, you know, about six times um, where it's basically pr just really hardcore proofreading where I would reread it, reread it, reread it and make necessary changes and having that feedback. I will say that as soon as I uh, kind of crossed that threshold of sharing it with other people, trusted friends who I knew would give great feedback, that actually eliminated all my fears because they didn't hate it. <laughs> um, and as part of that process, um, I asked them to leave reviews and, and these types of things. Um, and that just kind of wiped away all those worries. And so now here we are launch date and I'm just not, not worried at all because I know, I, th I think over the last 30 days, more so than the entire nine months or so it took to actually write the book the last 30 days have, have vindicated to myself that it is worth putting out there. And I think also, uh, getting the forward by Adam Gubman was just an insane amount of, um, just humility to me. And it was very humbling praise, um, that he would, that he would support this book. And then also to have, you know, juggernaut composers, um, also leave their testimonials on there. And, uh, it's just really cool and, and very special that, uh, that other people are supporting this um, on such a, a massive scale. And, and that definitely wiped away all those fears. And it kind of just re, uh, rejuvenated my sense that, okay, I, I do know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, I could be confident that I'm an expert in this field. 
but at the expense of always saying, this is my opinion, this is my experience. This worked for me, it may not work for you. So I try to be as transparent as possible because we all have our own path and there is no one path, but I still wanted to say, uh, specifically in the title, proven path um, to escape nine to five because even though this book does not promise that everyone who reads it's gonna become a, a uh, millionaire, or whatever, um, I define success as the ability to have autonomy in your life, freedom to choose your schedule, freedom to choose who you spend your time with, where you spend your time, how often you work. That is a promise, and you are able to accomplish that even if you're not a good composer. And I think that there may there might be some uh, backlash from that, and I'm okay with that. Um, I think with every good piece of art or some every time you have a very strong opinion about something there's always going to be the other side who's going to try to fight you on it but my goal here is not to fight but to present that i truly believe that anyone can be a successful composer so long as you're defining success as that freedom um because i think a lot of people want to write music but they're they're too scared or they're um they have that imposter syndrome they, they feel like they they're not worth it or they're not, uh, maybe their family doesn't support them or anything of that nature. So this book is to debunk all of that. And, and yeah, there were challenges across um, the process, but I've been just really, uh, really encouraged, honestly, the last month that it's finally in the hands of other people. Um, and it doesn't suck. So, <laughs> and even no, if it did, I have read a know, large chunk of it and it's phenomenal. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. So what did you learn about yourself in your own career through this book writing process? Because I imagine gathering everything you know about a particular subject, namely composition and, and putting it all in one thing, that probably maybe changed the way you think, maybe reoriented you. You mentioned it rejuvenated you. Has this, do you feel different after you've written this book? Great question. Um, yes, I, I definitely think I do. Um the the process of choosing the title, I think more than anything, um, it forced me to choose a theme and it forced me to kind of dig as deep as I possibly can as to what I believe, why I believe it, and am I going to share this message with the world? And, and like, is this going to resonate with people? Is this going to mean anything to others? Um, and I think through that kind of soul searching process, it was not fast. I, I Believe me, I wanted to have this title nine months ago. But I didn't until, I guess, a month ago, uh, which is kind of scary when you get to the very end and you're about to upload it to all the websites, you're about to do all this promotion and whatever, marketing, but you don't have a title yet. And I think I rewrote the title 15, 20 times easily. Um, but the final title came when I finally said, okay, what is my why? Which is a chapter of the book, by the way, find your why. Because um, I think it's the core of everything we do in life, um, but especially in your career, it has to be the foundation. And for me, it's family. For me, it's it's putting them first, which is obviously the whole point of the book. Um, but I think, man, I learned about myself that my family really is first. And it's been funny. Um, as soon as I told, <laughs> you'll, you'll understand this as a husband, as soon as I told my wife the title of the book, once I was like super confident in it and ready to share it with people. I finally told her. Um, and so now 
that's kind of my life mantra. And so she's like, all right, family first composer. All right. All right. Because, you know, <laughs> nice. like, all right, Hey babe, can I go work, you know, at 10 o'clock? And she's like, all right, family first composer. You know, she's like really challenging <laughs> me on that, which yeah. is awesome. I love that. Um, and it, it has like put a stake in the ground. This is what I stand for. This is what I believe. And it's no longer my opinion of my family. It's like my whole family's involved with this now. Like we're all in. And even when recording the audiobook, there were a couple places where I was able to record my daughters um, as part of the book. And I just think that's so cool. And like they're invested in this um, and they're super excited about it and they're, they're sharing about it. And um, how cool is it that it's not it's no longer an idea, but it's a real tangible book. It's a physical product. It's, it's an electronic means of communication, but more than that, it's, it's a lifestyle that I'm fully embracing. This is not just information on a page. This is truly my life. And it's, um, not that I want to force it upon others, but for anyone who wants this lifestyle, it is very much available for you. And this, this is the way to do it. So I've in reading the book, there are so many things that, uh, people with families and even single people can take away from the book. So what would you say to single people or people who maybe want a family one day uh, regarding your book and some of the advice that you give in it? Yeah, I mean, this book is certainly not restricted to only those with families. Um, that's certainly the heart behind it is, you know, here's what your life could be one day if you're single. Um because I first and foremost wrote this book to myself 10, 15 years ago. Um, and that's, I'm a real strong believer in avatars that whenever uh, you create a product or service, you need to have your target audience in mind. So that avatar is someone that really fully embodies um, who you're writing this for. And so, um, I mean, this book is, is, it's for a lot of people, but one of the core people that it is for are people right of college or people early 20s, but it's also for, you know, people who have a couple young kids. Um, and I've even heard from people in their 40s and, and up who have already been talking about it. And they're like, hey, I have, you know, older kids and about to be empty nester or whatever. And um, it, it's motivating them too to get back into the game, which I think is incredible that this is going to hit home for a lot of people. Um, but I like to think that there are business principles that are timeless that kind of transcend all age, all demographics. And um, I like to consider myself a well-read person. I'm still young-ish compared to others out there in the industry. Um, and that's one of the things I say at the beginning of the book that, you know, I don't know everything and I can't teach you everything, but I can teach you, I can get you to where I am. That's, that's I think, at the crux of all leadership is I, I don't know where we're going necessarily, but I know where I've been. And I can lead you from where you are to where I am. And so I don't pretend to know how to get beyond where I am other than to, you know, ask mentors and, and um, teachers who are beyond me. And, and I am always learning and growing. Um, but, but I think for anyone younger or anyone that doesn't have a family, um, this is still for you because these are core business principles um, that, that do transcend all of those elements. Now we, you and I have talked a lot about the, the power of having a book of saying that you're an author. Um, so 
for my next, for the next section here, I'd love for you to just kind of outline some of those benefits of why is it so great to, to say, Hey, I'm an author. I have this book with my name on it. Um, from a, from a composition, from like a growing your business perspective. Well, I like to say that the first six letters of the word authority are author. And I think as soon as you understand the credibility and the uh, authority that is given and kind of automatically thrown on you once you become an author, um, then you'll rush out to write a book too. Um, and I think it's it's fascinating how much credibility is given to authors, even if they never crack the book. And I've made this joke with you, Matt, before that um, this book could be absolute garbage but because I wrote it and I actually did it and it has a really cool cover and a really cool title and a really cool forward and really cool testimonials, that's enough for 95% of the population, which is sad to be honest, <laughs> but there's something about the perception of it. Um, and of course, you know, I've, I've poured my, my blood, sweat and tears, um, nine months of, of everything into this, um, to make it as valuable as possible. I don't want to uh, sell garbage, but um, I think that there is just this perception, um, and, and even a study, uh, when I was at PodFest recently, um, last month, I learned that there was a study done recently where, um, a study group was, uh, supposed to choose between three different titles of a person. And it was like a college professor, a, uh, someone with a PhD and an author, and you're supposed to choose, you know, who has the most credibility? Who would you trust the most? And so they naturally actually went to the author instead of the PhD, which blows my mind that someone with knowledge is not necessarily the same as someone who has authority, someone who is an expert of a topic. Um, and I think what's unique about book writing is it's kind of the original form of authority and authorship, if you will. Um, you know, video is still a very new medium. It's less than 100 years old. Um, audio is maybe, what, 200 years old, 300, whatever Alexander Graham Bell was. Um, maybe it's like 150 years, something like that. But compared to thousands and thousands of years um, with book writing and this idea that, you know, think about of civilizations dating back not even that, that long ago, hundreds of years ago, that couldn't read couldn't write but the one person in the in the village that could like this this one document is is law you know there's just all these psychological components that a book has authority um and you could read some studies on that which is very interesting but um from a branding perspective from a marketing perspective um i don't think there's a, a better move with less investment that you can make college degrees are very expensive and take years off your life and and not to mention all the opportunity costs of not working during that time and not being in the, in the workplace. Um, you know, even just an undergrad de degree of four years, that's so much investment of your life compared to a book that might take you a year or six months um, to do properly and, you know, weigh those. Like this book has more credibility for the rest of my life than any degree I've ever earned. And I've earned two music degrees and paid... Um, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars for my degrees. And that's crazy to me. And, 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 you know, I've spent probably less than a thousand bucks on this book. 
um, in its entire inception. So um, you compare those two things, it's it's just crazy. Um, and you know, where do we go from here? I mean, a book is a platform for everything you want to do in life. So if you have any desire to be to have speaking engagements, um, a book will win out every single time. If you want to, you know, I know I'm talking to a lot of game composers. Um, if you want to talk at GDC, you say that you're an author. Here's my book. Let's talk about my book, right? That's going to get you on way faster than the, you know, hundred other applicants. Um, things like uh, any kind of paid, paid uh, speaking engagements, things like private coaching, you instantly just upped your game because now you have this authority. Um, things like courses, if you want to sell courses online, you just upped your game. Um, and this, as a composer, I mean, how many composers do you know are, are also authors? Very few. Now, I know about five, actually, in the entire like Hollywood industry. That's about it. Um, and it's that's because that's becoming a, a bigger thing now. Um, so I think there is there's great uh, return on your investment here. Um, and it's well worth pursuing because it, it uh, puts you as an expert in the minds of not only in a teaching education field, all those things I just mentioned, but also as a composer. Um, clients want to work with people who are very confident in their skill set and who are confident in their beliefs. And now that I've written this book, it has actually forced me to go back to all my social media and to every, all of my online personality. And I've now rebranded them to all be coherent with this idea. I am a family first composer. That's it. That's my brand. And how cool is it that it's all uniform now? And so I have now kind of declared to the world that because I'm a family first composer, I will not work on insert, insert every other project here. And that's, it's very exclusive. And, um, and if you've read the foreword by Adam Gubman, he's, he's very bold um, in saying that, uh, you know, he works for Disney, he works for Fox and, and all these other companies, but he, his entire career, he says that, uh, he only works on family, family, family friendly projects, um, because he wants to involve his family in everything he does. He wants to play the games with his kids. He wants to watch the movies with his kids. Um, I think that's incredible. And what, a, what an uh, inspiration. And so I'm totally in, I'm, I'm fully bought into that idea. And by saying that, it, it definitely excludes me from a lot of work, but it's also going to open me up to more work than I've ever had before because it's going to resonate with the people who care about that the most. And I know for a fact that that's going to um, deepen my career, not widen, but deepen in the place that means the most to me. So I'm excited about where this is going to go from here, and I wholeheartedly encourage anyone listening to consider what would it look like if you wrote a book and what would it be about and uh could you take that leap of pouring out your beliefs um to share with the world because i think it matters let's say someone's hearing this and they're all fired up like i am right now <laughs> and they're like you've got me i'm convinced i want to write a book I have something I feel like I want to share with the world, whether that's a particular skill in the world of game composition or a passion for music in some other capacity or, or some, some sort of variation of that. What advice would you give them as far as, okay, I have this idea that I want to share with the world. Where do I start? Step one, put in your calendar, the launch date. Nice. Because I think 
Uh, that's true of all projects, by the way, not just a book. But a book is a big, scary, hairy beast, right? Um, it just sounds impossible. And I think that's part of the authority reason. People are like, oh, I could never do that. And I've had people say that. As soon as, as soon as I said I wrote this book, they're like, oh, man, you're amazing. I could never do that. It just, it, it, it in an unfortunate way, it elevates you. Um, which is not what you want in a conversation, um, maybe in a business sense, but, uh, you know, you always want people to be kind of a, on the same playing field. Never want, never want people to, to feel uh, discouraged, but how cool is it that it is possible? And as soon as you set the end date, work backwards and start to dissect, what do I have to do in order to make this happen? Um, and start putting all the dates that lead up to that. Um, and really writing a book is not that complicated. It's far less complicated than most people seem to think. Um, uh, I think some, some conventional wisdom is to have the, the book 100% finished one month before your launch. So pick a date. I, I would probably safely say six months out from right now, put the launch date, then go to the five month mark, put that date as your, um, pre-launch and then that gives you a solid five months and then you just kind of break it down into what works in your schedule and you just do it. And I hate, I hate that advice because it's, it's seemingly the worst advice ever, but it really is. <laughs> um, it's as simple as that. You have to, if you want to, um, if you want to accomplish these really big things, I, I like to, uh, liken it to a marathon, something that seems impossible running 25 miles. That sounds impossible to me. You know, I can run like a 10 K, um, you know, I can ride five, I, I can run five to 10 miles, but 25 miles just sounds impossible to me. But how would I do that? If I, if I had to, you know, if, if it was life or death situation, I would plan out, I would say, okay, here's the race date. You know, what goal do I need to hit by this mark? What goal do I hit by this mark? And you just, you deconstruct and, and you go for it. But what I would also do is if that mattered enough to me, I would focus so strongly that I would wipe away every other thing on my calendar. Um, only, only the things that have to be there. And that's how I feel about my family. And that's, that's truly the context of this conversation is my family matters that much to me. Everything else is second. And so if it's time to tuck my kids in bed, I'm not taking phone calls. I will not do an interview. <laughs> I know we chatted about that a little bit. You know, um, they like that there are certain times in my day that are unshakable, um, that are these uh, foundational pillars in my life. You know, I have breakfast with my family. I take my kids to the bus. Whatever it is, there, there are unshakable things in your life that you can you can say no to everything else if it matters enough to you. So I think when it comes to projects and, and focusing, if this project matters enough to you, you're going to make it happen and nothing else can stop you. And so you have to um, have that kind of resolution that yes, you are going to do it. Yes, you can do it. And that's one of the messages I hope to convey through the book. Very early on in the book, I, I say, yes, you can do this. Yes, you will do this. Um, it will require everything. It will require sacrifice. You will have to give up something in order to make this happen, but it is worth it. Um, but you know, it's the age old wisdom of honestly, believe it and work at it and it will happen. So I think you kind of summed it up there, but if you were to put in a sentence or two sentences, what is the one thing that you want people to take away from this book as they read it 
and maybe they finish the book or they have it on their shelf, what's one thing that you want them to take away from it? That no matter your life situation, no matter your environment or hardships or challenges or whatever excuses you're going to throw at us, you can be a successful composer. You can escape nine to five and you can support your family that this is very possible. Um, and I'm very thankful that I've pushed through and made it happen in my life and it's available for you too. You just have to do it. Awesome, man. So, so tell us a little bit about where people can go to find out more about the book, pick it up, learn more about you. Absolutely. So the book is officially out now. Very excited about that. So you can go to Amazon and search either my name, Stephen Malin, or you can type in Family First Composer. And I'm very psyched that um, up to this point, the, the pre-order process um, did exceedingly well. I can't, I can hardly believe how well it's done. Uh, it's gotten uh, number one new release in eight different categories and number one bestseller in two categories. Um, so people are, are chewing this thing up and I'm very excited about it. So, um, I think that's the calling card and that's, that's one of the reasons I started to write a book in the first place is because it's the best business card you'll ever have. And it's one business card that you'll have for the rest of your life. So now that you're done with the book, man, what is next for you? Cause I know you're always up to something. You're always cooking something up. So what's next on the horizon for you? Oh, there's always stuff in the back burner. Um, right now I'm working on the podcast, getting that revitalized. That's the Sonic Storytellers podcast. Um, I just today started Twitch streaming. So that's something that's been on the back burner trying to um, figure out a way to get video game music arranging back into my life. Um, like you said, Matt, there. if you're going to focus on something this intense, sometimes you do have to sacrifice other things that you love. So there's been a, a season where I haven't been able to do any of that and I've missed it. Uh, and I've been, I've been actually composing as well uh, throughout this process on projects, but that's something I've missed and something I want to get back into my life regularly. Um, so I'm excited to throw that back into the mix. That's awesome, man. Well, dude, it is always a pleasure speaking with you. I can't wait to read the rest of the book and I'm sure everyone listening here is chomping at the bit to read it as well. Uh, thank you so much, Stephen. Again, the name of the book is Family First Composer, Proven Path to Escape 9 to 5 and Support Your Family Composing Music for Film, TV, and Video Games. Really appreciate you taking the time out to chat, man, and have a great rest of your night. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Composer Code. And as always, thank you so much to my very generous patrons over at Patreon who help support the show. If you'd like to become a patron and help support Composer Code, head on over to patreon.com slash composer code. I've got some cool rewards there, not the least of which is the ability to submit questions that I'll ask my guests. And it's a cool little community we got going there. So if you'd like to support the show, check that out. And I will see everyone next time.